Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Access to the best in construction industry training? Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. Uh, yes, indeed. A very good afternoon to you and welcome to Dwayne's World. Sam Hargraves filling in for Dwayne and really excited to sink my teeth into what I hope is midday madness at its optimal levels. Uh, we want to get this phone line absolutely humming. The Werribee Kia Open Line awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. I don't remember all the staffs down there, names off the top of my head. Dwayne knows them very well. Uh, but to all the team down there, uh, you're doing a magnificent job. Uh, you can text in at any time. On the 40 Winks Temper Tech 0433981116. Get your unique bed match profile and find the red right bed for you. 40 Winks is serious about sleep. We've got a jam packed show happening. Uh, this afternoon, over the next three hours. Uh, one thing we'll do is make sure we update you on all the live sport that's happening. So there, there's Sheffield Shield Cricket, there's NBA, uh, I think there's NFL um, today as well, Thursday night football. There's the Vic PGA happening right now at Moona Link, so we'll keep you up to speed on the golf. Um, there's uh, FIBA qualifiers happening at the moment as well. We'll try and update you on all the scores as they're happening. And what I'll do because it still amazes me that as a live sports station, we have people complain when we give out live sports scores. I'm going to say earmuffs. And when you hear me say earmuffs, that's when you block your ears or just uh, turn us down for a moment if you're recording any of the sport. So I'll say earmuffs. We'll give you a little count. And then we will give out the live scores for those who rely on us to do exactly that. Uh, so one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Where we care open line is exactly that open for business, midday madness, whatever whatever you want to put on the agenda, however you want to put it on the agenda, you can do so. The floor is yours. We're also going to speak to a ton of people about a ton of things. In case you weren't aware, Australia, um, whilst failing at this T20 World Cup. Are dominating at the Rugby League World Cup. I don't know if you've paid any attention to this. I have not been able to see a moment of it um, due to commitments uh, in other areas. So Jimmy Smith, um, SEN Rugby League's very own, 1170 SEN's very own in Sydney, has been across every moment of it and will get us up to speed before the semifinals this weekend, Australia to take on New Zealand in the men's. And we've got Australia in the semifinals of the women's, the Gillaroos going along very nicely and also the Wheelchair Rugby League. So he will get you up to speed with everything you need to know, fully informed ahead of this weekend. Campbell Brown, the dog, will jump on to talk racing this weekend. We'll talk a bit of footy as well. At 1pm, Simon Helmet, the coach of the Renegades WBBL side and one of the most sought-after minds in T20 cricket. He's coached all around the world, both men's and women's. So it'll be interesting to get his perspective as the master tactician uh, ahead of the T20 World Cup final on Sunday night, MCG. You won't miss a moment of it on SEN. Um, Maria Faye Atasho Del Solar is going to join us now. Peruvian born, 
that represents Australia now in beach volleyball. Beach Volley Fest is happening uh, in late November in a couple of weeks' time down in Torquay. Um, and Australia, th- her team uh, with Taliqa Clancy have had a, a phenomenal year since coming together. Uh, silver medals everywhere and a chance to take gold at this international tournament. It's going to be massive down in Torquay. I'll give you the details a little later. But she's got a great story, so looking forward to catching up with her. Um, I'm missing someone. I know that we'll have... Ah, Damien Fleming. How could I forget the Flem? Uh, we'll speak to him shortly in the next hour. He was there last night at the Adelaide Oval. Um, where this happened... I'm all in for this finishing with a six. Okay. Shammy to Butler with the privilege of finishing it right now. Butler goes hard to log on. It's over the top of Coley. It's six. The full firepower of England's openers unleashed in Adelaide. The Butler did it in a hailstorm the likes of which cricket has rarely seen. England romp home in the semi-final. None down. And this World Cup will finish on a nostalgic note. It's a reprise of 1992. We go back to the MCG to see Pakistan and England in the trophy decider. That's why he's the best in the business. Jared Waitley in Adelaide last night at the Adelaide Oval, the scene of the second semi-final of this T20 World Cup. SEM, we've been incredibly proud to be your home of this T20 World Cup. And, uh, and what a performance from England a complete domination of the pre-tournament favourites in India. A 10-wicket win. Uh, India, 6 for 168 in their first innings. Uh, best led by Virat Kohli, uh, 50 off 40. Hardik Pandya, 63 off 33 as well. Those two have had very, very good T20 World Cups and uh, Kohli reclaiming his crown. Uh, but India not able to claim their second title in England. What do you say about that performance? Josh Butler, 80 off 49. Alex Hales, 86 off 47. Four boundaries and seven sixes for Alex Hales. We'll get to him in just a moment. But it's been over 30 years since Pakistan and England faced off at the MCG for that one-day international cup in March of 1992. They will do it again for this World Cup. Back then, both teams looking for their first World Cup. Both teams on Sunday are going to be looking for their second T20 World Cup. Pakistan won in 09. England won it the year after. They've both lost a T20 World Cup final as well. So back in 92, and this is where it's eerily similar. Pakistan in 92 lost three out of their first five games and another game was a no result. They won five in a row to win the World Cup as rank underdogs. This year, they lost their first two games, both of them off the last ball of the match to India and Zimbabwe but have come good to make finals. And they'll go into this one, you'd think, as, as underdogs again. Now, Split Ends told us that history never repeats, but I wonder. England have got some injuries. Mark Wood was a laid out, so was Darwood Milan. It's good when you can have Chris Jordan come in and just take three wickets. He's, I think he's their all-time leading T20 wicket-taker, um, if memory serves. Uh, Phil Salt came in, and Salty wasn't even required. No one else was required other than Butler uh, and Hales. Um, could lightning strike twice? So if you were there in 92, I'd love to get your memories of it. I was 11. So I don't, all I remember is being how sad, all I remember from 92 was how sad I was that Australia weren't there. I couldn't believe it. It made no sense to me that Australia with the squad that they had and all these players I grew up idolizing could not make the final. And I feel like a little bit like that this year that I I sort of can't believe that Australia's defending champions aren't there uh, again. 
So if you were there in 92, I'd love to get your memories. There was just under 90,000 at the MCG on that day. Hopefully we get an even bigger crowd there on Sunday. And I have loved this World Cup. The performances of the big names to the upsets by the smaller cricketing nations, but more so because I reckon that I've been reminded about what it means to truly be a fan. I think we've been shown up in that space, but I also think we've been shown what it truly means to be a fan. I wonder if we can get a bit cynical at times, whether it be how we support our cricket side or don't support our cricket side, even with our footy team. I mean, every day here we have people saying, if they do that, I'm tearing up the membership. No, I won't tolerate that. No, I'm not signing. I'm a 20-year member and I'm tearing up the membership, putting the membership in the microwave. I won't be signing up next year. And we do, we do have conditions sometimes on the way that we support our teams. I reckon we've got a different relationship with our men's cricket team that, as far as I can see, that most other cricket nations have with theirs. There's a joy, there's a love, there's an adulation in the way that, whether it be Sri Lanka, Pakistan, Zimbabwe, and especially India, relate to and love their cricket team. And I've noticed it in the, the other nations too. They might be small in size, but they're big in heart. And I don't feel maybe like we have that at the moment. So we've had more people turn up to see Pakistan and New Zealand at the SCG than we had to see Australia and New Zealand at the SCG. That's a big worry. So if you've got to, if you, if you know why that is, then I'd love you to tell me, but that has been one of the most enjoyable things, watching fans just, just be all in, you know, What's the line when you get married? I'm not married, so I should know. Till death do us part. I feel like it's. I feel like that's it with, with a lot of the cricket fans that have come. You know, there were there were Indian fans that had come from Canada when I was there at the MCG for the game against Zimbabwe. They've come from all around the world just for a chance to see. It was in our backyard, and we didn't go. It's interesting. I think that's been the real joyous part for me is is living and seeing the the, the pure joy in the fans, and how they have embraced this World Cup. So it's going to be it's going to be Pakistan, it's going to be England at the MCG. It's Matty Hayden versus Mike Hussey and David Saker's in there for England as well. And I want to ask you another question as well. Redemption stories. So Alex Hales last night, this is what he had to say after being player of the match. Yeah, it was, um, we could tell from the first innings it, it was a lot easier to bat in the power play. So my game plan was just to try and get ahead of the game, try and kill it as much as possible, look to be positive against the seamers. Um, it looked a bit harder in the middle. Unfortunately, that plan worked today. Alex Hale spoke too about it not being a redemption story to him. But I think we can maybe go down that path, can't we? We often howl down and we're quick to condemn those who get a chance to play sport at the highest level that we all wish we could have had. And we, we really are quick to cut them down if they make a mistake in their life. But at the same time, I think we really do embrace the comeback story, the redemption story, someone who is fallible in life, but is able to get another chance and they make the most of that chance and and do incredible things with it. Alex Hales is doing that. I mean, he was persona non grata in 2019 when he was booted out of the 2019 World Cup squad, uh, a second substance strike for him in 2017. He was part of the incident with Ben Stokes in Bristol. And, you thought and he thought that he would never get the chance to represent his country again, but they get some injuries and there's a change in leadership and um, he gets brought in for the Pakistan series in the build-up to this World Cup and, and he played so well that they just couldn't leave him out. And now he's been one of the main reasons why 
they are going to possibly win this T20 World Cup. 86 of 47 deliveries, a strike rate of 182. So if you've got a great sporting redemption story, I'd love to hear it. I reckon I reckon Tyson Stengel's a great one from this year, so a bit of recency bias, but and it's it's got some similarities with Alex Hales. But he was given a chance by Geelong when no one else did, and he, he ends up being All-Australian and a premiership player um, because someone said, I'm going to give you another chance. And I reckon the most famous one of all would probably have to be Tiger Woods. I mean, he was always going to be able to play again, but would he be embraced again after his spectacular fall from grace? So that was interesting. That, 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 would, be, that would be a couple that spring to mind. So if you've got a redemption story, I'd love to hear it. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Damien, Steve, Mike and Ben, stay right there. We'll get your calls on the other side of this. This is Dwayne's World. Sam Hargrave's in for Dwayne. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Access to the best in construction industry training. Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. Uh, the Werribee Kia open line is doing nicely at the moment. Awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. one 736 for Midday Madness. Sam Hargraves in for Dwayne. Let's get to the phones. We're asking several questions today, but uh, you feel free to take us wherever you want to. Damien's in Strathmore. He's got some memories of the 1992 World Cup. It was Pakistan and England uh, for the one-day international World Cup. Damien, what do you remember, mate? G'day, Sammy. Yeah, look, um, yeah, I was a little bit older than you, mate. I was um, in my late 20s. And, um, yeah, we, we had some actually Pakistan people that we knew very well, and we closed at the restaurant we worked at early, closed about 6 o'clock. We had the big TV on, and we watched it. And then we went into the city afterwards, and it was just celebration, just green flags everywhere. For the next two weeks, you didn't have to pay for a tram because um, you just jumped on and said Pakistan and the, everyone was um, just uh, yeah, giving you free tram rides. And it was just a celebration in Melbourne. It was anything to beat England. Everyone, No one wanted England to win. And um, everyone was really happy. And I think everyone fell in love with Inzamar Malhak and Wazim Akram. Both, I think, they're about 18 or 19 each. And they both starred in that game. And, um, yeah, it was just like a fantastic atmosphere and it was a great victory. Yeah, was him. I think was player of the match. Um, Damien, it's a great memory, and thank you for sharing it. And, that, and it opens up another question as well: Who you got? If there's no Australia, and we didn't even really support Australia at this T20 World Cup, so who are we supporting? Who who do you want to win? Is it a case of we don't go for England in anything ever, no matter what, no matter against who? Are you loving the Pakistan sort of revival when they were zero and two in the Super Twelves? You thought, well, there's no chance from here. But some Matty Hayden inspirational speeches and some turn in fortune and, and like everybody, a little bit of luck along the way. And they are primed and ready to maybe make a, a little piece of history. Only two, t- only one team's won two T20 World Cups. That's the West Indies. So who have you got in this? Who are you barracking for to win on Sunday night when you listen on SEN? Steve's in Richmond. G'day, Steve. G'day, mate. How are you going? Very well, um, thank yeah, you. I was, there, I, was in my, I was in my early 20s um, in the 92 World Cup and Two things I remember vividly. The first is Wazim Akram in that uh, in that final against England, where he picked up three wickets in the middle of the se- in the uh, middle of their innings. And Richie Benno at one stage saying um, Alan Lamb has been cleaned up, and I'll never forget that. He just was, went ballistic. And the second memory I had was Australia in the first game against New Zealand getting done. That, that really disappointed me. Because I had high hopes for Australia. We never really recovered from that. And I also remember New Zealand opening the bowling with Deepak Patel and it, and it threw all of us off, going, what's going on? So, uh, yeah, 
very similar to this uh, T20. We we never really recovered, and the Pakistan have got a couple of uh, mercurial fast bowlers, so anything could happen. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Appreciate you sharing your memories, and you're 100% right. So there are some similarities, aren't they? Australia in 92 didn't even make the semis. We haven't made the semis of this T20 World Cup. I understand they're different formats, but 30 years on, same venue, same teams, similar situation for Australia. Uh, despite all the potential and positivity coming in, uh, it just wasn't to be. Um, appreciate the call, Steve. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 You can text in on the 40 Winks temper text 0433981116. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks serious about sleep. Uh, Mike's in Geelong. G'day, Mike. Oh, g'day, mate. How you going? Yeah, well, thanks for asking. I just, that, that's good. Um, yeah, I ended up going to the 92 World Cup with my dad, who's now passed away, but I just remember coming home after seeing such a awesome atmosphere and watching it on Channel 9 at, like, 11.30 at night, the little half-an-hour replay and all that, and it just sticks with me, the crowd noise that was there that night. It was insane. It was one of the... Yeah, it was fantastic to see, but... I just want to touch on the Aussies at this moment, and I'm just—they just seem to lose their swagger at the moment. Like they used to be a team that used to be a bit feared. Now it's a bit of a, well, we'll just roll up and we'll we'll tip out the Australians, and the crowd has no influence on the um, on the result. Whereas you look at the Indias and all that, and even Pakistani, the crowd really gets that team up and going. And I just want to get your opinion on it. Well, I think you're spot on, Mike. I mean, I watched the Indian fans. Virat Kohli leant down to field a ground ball that was trickling to him, and they roared in jubilation, the, the Indian fans. The first single of the game, it sounded like, and I was calling the game with Darren Berry against Zimbabwe, and it sounded you would have thought that someone had struck an almighty six and maybe got up to where Simon O'Donnell's seat is. But but it's not. It's just for everything they do, there is just a, an unadulterated love. Um, you know, it's a ride or die mentality that I, I wonder whether we've lost somewhere along the way. And, and, and it saddens me to think that maybe we have. Um, and I've got a couple of people saying, oh, we don't have the world's best players in T20 international cricket. Well, for all the criticism, Aaron Finch is still ranked in the top 10 of T20 international batters. Coming into this tournament, Josh Hazelwood was ranked number one for T20 bowlers. Adam Zamper is a top five ranked T20 bowler as well. Marcus Stoinis is in the top 10 for um, all-rounders. Um, so we do have elite-level players um, in T20, but we just didn't get an elite-level performance. Um, Ben's in Boleyn. G'day, Ben. Yes, g'day. I am not going to ask you how you are. I wish people would stop that. But anyway, that's a different story. Um, <laughs> Fair enough, Ben. Fair enough. Um, yeah, look, I think I know the reason. Well, I have, I have an opinion on the reason why people aren't, aren't sort of going for Australian cricket. I, I, I just think they need the sports people need to stop this political stances and their social stances. I know that they, you know, they're welcome to their own stances, but their stance doesn't mean it's the right stance. And the way they, they portray it is it is, you know, and you get people like Pat Cummins who, who does what he did, and then he, and then he's seen promoting, you know, a Chinese, um, solar company with links to the Uyghur, you know, camps. And it's just, I just wish they'd just stay out of it, just play sport. And, and that couple of hours that we're there, we're watching, you know, next to people of all different races, creeds, colours, sexuality. It, for those three or four hours, we're together. We're as one. But as soon as you start bringing in social issues and political issues and pushing them like they are the only correct issue and the only stance, it just turns people off. Hey, Ben, I appreciate you taking the time to ring in. And we can always... Uh... 
We can always agree to disagree. Um, and sport now finds itself in a place to figure out how they navigate those issues um, as well as they're brought into sport. Uh, we're going to get to an early news, some markets for their Remembrance Day celebration. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, just as we went to the break, I think I said Remembrance Day celebrations. Of course, I meant commemorations. So uh, I just wanted to apologise for um, misspeaking um, on such a, an important day where it's, it is important that we remember and 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 show our and pay our respects. Uh, so apologies for for that going into the news. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. The Werby Key open line is exactly that. Afternoons is for Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. And for the Master Builders of Victoria, get expert legal support, become a Master Builder Victoria member today. Now, one thing I didn't do, um, which Dwayne Russell does all the time, is to give a prize to the person who opens the batting or opens the bowling, whichever way you want to look at it, uh, for Midday Madness. So Damien in Strathmore, um, we'll get producer Lincoln to get in touch with you. A Signet Boost power bank coming your way. I think it's important that when you um, house sit for someone, that you still stick to their routine. So if they water the garden uh, on a certain day or if they uh, feed the dog at certain times, that, that you do that as well just to keep the house ticking over. And and I'm house-sitting Dwayne's uh, show at the moment, so we'll make sure we do things in the right manner. Um, Midday Madness is still ready and raring to take your calls, and we'd love to hear from you, whatever you want to put on the agenda. I'll get to your temper text in just a minute, uh, but Rue in Chelsea uh, has been waiting patiently. G'day, Rue. Hi, how are you going? I'm well, thanks for asking. Um, so I just wanted to touch on the fact that maybe why Australians aren't as supportive of their cricket teams when other nations are. Um, so I think part of the reason is that in Australia, we've got world-class athletes in all so many different arenas. I'm, I was born in Australia. My parents are Sri Lankan, so I'm Australian. However, I still support Sri Lanka in the cricket because that's the only sport that we are actually at that level in. So I think for Australians, there's, there's sport for choice in many areas, whereas, well, in terms of Sri Lanka, everyone's passionate about Sri Lankan cricket because mm. that's, you know, the only sport that we've really got. But then also, we lived overseas for 10 years, and as an Australian overseas, I was there at the 2006 Ashes when Australia won, and the supporters and the atmosphere amongst Australians there was incredible. And we actually named our son, who was born in 2007, Shane, after the, you know, that. that oh, win. wow. So I think when you're in the. Yeah, I know. And he plays cricket now, too. But anyway. Is I he a leg spinner? With, uh, possibly a bit spoiled. Um, no. <laughs> He'd like to be. <laughs> oh, that's that's beautiful. Hey, it's, it's an interesting insight, Rue. Uh, thank you. Um, and and I, it's, it, I hadn't actually. I hadn't actually factored that into my thinking about, um, you know, some of the reasons why we might not be um, as ride or die with our team as maybe um, some other countries. So um, thank you for shedding a a little bit of light on that for us. And there's been a couple of people that say that, oh, maybe because, you know, that's the only sport that uh, is played in those countries. Well, from what I, from what I understand, hockey is still the national sport of India. Um, but cricket is probably, um, with all, and without meaning disrespectful to anyone, uh, it's, it's at an almost religious level, um, in in India when it comes to cricket. Uh, thanks for the call, Root. Really appreciate it. Uh, Attila is in Oakley. Hello, Attila. Hello. How are you? Oh, I shouldn't ask you that. That's a silly one. That's do you want a silly me to just, one. Everyone's do you, do you just asking want me to put a blanket. Do not answer it. Do not answer it. <laughs> do you just want me to put a blanket? I'm fine, everyone. I'm all good. Yes, yes. <laughs> correct, correct. 
Now, listen, I, there's, I think there's a few things, and some of the callers have, have, I think, have touched on some of them. There's, I think, are, are we a nation that follows so many sports? Mm. You know, as cricket sort of, sort of gone into the background, I remember growing up as, you know, cricket was summer. So you knew that there was a big summer of cricket coming and, you know, there was a big test coming or there's one day is, or there's a World Cup. But now there's cricket all the time. Like, it's 24-7. Mm. You know, the Aussies are going to... They'll go, they'll go to the Ashes and they'll go... And you'll follow it and you'll start and you'll watch, watch it when they're playing in England. So I think there's a bit of that. I think the other thing is, are we really concentrated on the T20? My thoughts and my feelings are, when they came out at the start of this tournament didn't look like they really wanted to win the tournament. So that, that's, that's, it did just, it, I think they were just, for me, it was the going through the motions. I know we are a good nation, it's a, a great nation, a cricket nation. But, you know, you've got to remember in India, it's number two sport. I think hockey's the number one sport, but, you know, number two sport is, in India, is, is cricket. So they're mad about cricket. So um, I think there's, you know, you're, you're comparing you know, the Indians when they go and they love cricket and they, you know, they, they'll jump up and down. I think as Australians, if you go to the footy, we just don't chant like that at the footy, you know, as an Australian rules game as, as a comparison. If you go to the English Premier League, you know, they, 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 the passion that goes on there, yeah. you really don't see that at the footy. I think, you know, we, we support, but we don't support. We're a little bit reserved in that way. So that, that's one of them. Um, what do you think? Yeah, Tiller, I appreciate the, the thought in it. I, I think you, you raise an interesting point. Even at the, I've gone to the footy before and, and, and have heard a fan of a club sit there for the whole four quarters and just abuse the team that they supposedly support. I actually looked down out of the commentary box and said, geez, this person really hates, I think it was North Melbourne. Um, it doesn't really matter who the club was, but I thought, geez, this person really doesn't like the opposition. But I looked down and they were wearing a North Melbourne scarf and jumper and just spent the whole game in full abuse of the team. Every player was rubbish. They're useless. This is, uh, I don't know what he's doing and he's no good. Uh, I couldn't believe it was phenomenal. And I just thought, and that's probably the other part of it too. It might not just be cricket. We Maybe we just support a little differently. And it might not be everybody because you might be listening going, Hey, no, I am all in. I am, you know, whatever happens. I am, you know, as I said before, I'm right or die with my footy team, but I, we are quick to jump off. Maybe it feels like we've done that at the moment with Australian cricket. Um, and, and sometimes we get really, um, and you know, really cynical when it comes to maybe the footy team that we support. Um, when I say we, um, and if you're listening, thinking, no, that's not me. How dare you? Um, well, give me a call. Let me know. I mean, if you look at the way that the Indian fans support their cricket team or the Pakistani fans or the Zimbabwean fans or the Sri Lankan fans, you know, even the Barmy army, people have said, oh, they're very similar to us. Maybe, but when they're there and in full voice and singing the songs and the chants and they provide a, they provide a brilliant atmosphere to sport. So it is interesting. It is interesting um, how we support our teams in Australia, uh, in comparison to some others, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Damien Fleming, on the other side uh, of the break, he was there last night at the Adelaide Oval to see England win their way through. Um, 
and we'll get his thoughts about that game and uh, what's to come in the final on Sunday. Keep your calls coming through, though. one 736 Midday Madness. Uh, Sam Hargraves filling in for Dwayne on Dwayne's World. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Access to the best in construction industry training. Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. This finishing with a six. Okay. Shammy to Butler with the privilege of finishing it right now. Butler goes hard to log on. It's over the top of Coley. It's six. The full firepower of England's openers unleashed in Adelaide. The Butler did it in a hailstorm the likes of which cricket has rarely seen. England romp home in the semi-final, none down. And this World Cup will finish on a nostalgic note. It's a reprise of 1992. We go back to the MCG to see Pakistan and England in the trophy decider. Uh, Well, that was the moment that England uh, won their way into a T20 World Cup final. The third time they've made the final. They've won one once before in 2010, and they will meet Pakistan at the MCG on Sunday. They are looking for their second T20 World Cup final, uh, well, title in their third T20 World Cup final that they've made, having won the second T20 World Cup in 2009. And as I said off the top of the show, Eerily similar, where over th- just over 30 years on from 1992, when it was England and Pakistan in a World Cup uh, in the one-day international format in 1992. And that's where we'll find ourselves again on Sunday. Pakistan, England, uh, cannot wait for it. And a man who was there last night at the Adelaide Oval uh, with Jerry Waitley and, uh, and the team, of course, is our very own, uh, the Sultan of Swing, um, the man who comes up with the best cricket expressions that we have currently in commentary today. Damien Fleming, hello, mate. Sam, how are you, mate? I'm still coming down from the atmosphere last night. It was Metallica mosh pit-like intensity from the Indian fans. But in the end, England's powerhouse batting way too strong. The team batting first, Flem, has had some issues throughout the World Cup, and that's where India found themselves. Did you always think that um, at the end of their first innings when they uh, went into the sheds and um, they looked up and see six for 168 on the scoreboard. Did you get the feeling that that wouldn't be enough? Yeah, it was, um, it was a real battle for them um, throughout the innings. So, you know, Rohit Sharma, KO Rahul didn't really get going again. I thought they'd dominate this competition. Brad Coley, superb, but at times he, he lost the strike. So he lost a bit of momentum. And then Pandy is hitting at the end. Got them to 168, which is the average winning score at Adelaide. Um, so they needed wickets early. And it has been a strength of um, India's bowling, hasn't it, with Boovy and um, Singh and Shami. Unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of... Well, the only swing was from Butler and Hales' bat. And, you know, that, that was a dominating performance by, by England, particularly once they... they um, didn't get those early wickets. And I really loved the way that Hales and Butler complemented each other. And Butler got off to a flyer. Then Hales come to the party and Butler started to give Hales a bit of the stroke uh, strike. And then, and then Butler finished it off beautifully. And they also play it a bit differently. You know, um, Hales predominantly through the leg side. Butler likes to hit inside out through the offside. So 
as a bowler, you always, even though they're right-handed, you always got to adjust your, your line and your length, which India obviously couldn't do or incapable of doing just because of the onslaught. So th- th- that partnership at the top of the order, as you mentioned, Alex Hale said it's not redemption, but he did speak last night about thinking he'd never play in a World Cup again after he was tossed out of the squad in 2019. It was his second offence um, uh, for, for substances then. And, of course, we know what happened in 2017 with he and Ben Stokes. And even that relationship, you know, in Ben Stokes's book, he called him my former friend, Alex Hales. It all pointed to the fact that you never thought Alex Hales was going to get back into this lineup. But, you know, an injury here and there and, and then his performance in Pakistan in that series, playing for the first time uh, internationally since 2019, and they couldn't leave him out. And he has repaid the faith in spades, Flem, and we, we love a comeback, even though we pillory people for making mistakes in life when it comes to sport. We do like a good comeback story, and he's been that, um, and then more. Yeah, we do, we do. Although we're not surprised with his output here in Australia because in the BBL, he's been one of the great imports, hasn't he, Alex Hales? Um, so comfortable in Australian conditions. Also, if we go back to 2015-50 Over World Cup when England have another disappointing tournament, yeah, they made it a focus to be a, a dominant white ball team. And um, they won the 2019 World Cup at home just, but they were the dominant team the two years before that. And, and they've been very dominant since that. And, and really their philosophy was about going batting deep and just going hard continually through the innings. Like Rashid was batting number 11 last night, and he scored first-class 100. So, um, yeah, so that sort of um, operation has worked in their favour. And because they've trained at international level, it's reflected in their um, domestic competitions too, at 50-over level um, in the T20 Blast and in the 100. So even players like Jason Roy, like, I commentated a game at the MCG where he got 180 in a 50-over game. Um, he's out of form and out, and they're able to put someone like Alex Hales in there. Phil Salt, who we've seen in the Big Bash be a dominant player, he only come in because of the injuries to Milan. So they've, they've got a philosophy that I think's going to be mimicked if it's not already mimicked to a degree. You know, the Australians getting Tim David into the team to make sure that they could keep hitting longer throughout the innings. Um, and Alex Hales is the beneficiary of that. Um, but you've got to have the skill. You've got to be able to back yourself. Even last night, he said on our cup that, you know, we never thought that he'd get back into England covers, let alone to be able to play in a World Cup. And the way they're playing at the moment, their, their ceiling's a lot higher than Pakistan. I think they could score, um, if they bat first, a total that Pakistan could not get to. But obviously Pakistan, um, they're hard to back against because they're, they're hard to plan against. And, and their weaknesses going into that semi-final against New Zealand actually become strengths. So it's going to be an intriguing final. 
So how do you see the final playing out, Flem? Um, India, uh, Pakistan's top order had struggled, especially their openers uh, in Rizwan and Baba Azam, but they've found form in the semi-final. Their bowling is absolutely elite. Shaheen Shah Afridi leading the charge, and you feel like he's got unfinished business after it was Matty Wade, I think, that got a hold of him to, to secure Australia's spot in last year's T20 World Cup. So there's eerily similar Pakistani vibes about how they struggled early in 92. They struggled early here this year, and now they're coming good at just the right time. And for England now, there's injuries mounting up. You know, does Wood get up to play on Sunday? Jordan comes in and gets those three wickets last night. Does Milan come back in? Um, how do you see it playing out at your end? Yeah, England would love to have Mark Wood. They they did lack that extra pace last night. Um, Rashid was almost man of the match for me. Um, one for 20 off four. You know, no one felt comfortable against him. Um, as I said, I think England's batting, you know, has a higher ceiling than Pakistan, but it's all about form, isn't it, in finals? And, and, and as you said, with Baba Azam and this one, in, in form, their strengths, their bowling, um, so potentially Pakistan bowling first and, and getting early inroads, you know, to pressure England. But I, I think on paper, I've got England winning um, just because of that ability to, to keep hitting all through the innings and, and, and a handy bowling attack. But can't wait. The atmosphere is going to be massive at the G on, on Sunday. Let's just keep the rain away. Uh, it's a very good man is Damien Fleming. Uh, he will be in the chair with Chuck Berry, Jared Waitley, Barrett Sunder Race and Adam Collins. The A-team are assembled and you won't miss a moment of the action as SEN calls you the final of the 2022 ICC Men's T20 World Cup final. Flem, thank you so much, mate. We look forward to the call. Thanks, Sam. Uh, Damien Fleming there, the bowlologist. Uh, and don't forget uh, the final of the T20 World Cup, uh, as I said, on SEN. It'll be Jared Waitley. It'll be uh, Darren Chuck Berry. It will be Barrett Sunder Rayson, Damien Fleming, who we just spoke to. Uh, Adam Collins as well. A phenomenal team that has been assembled for Sunday night. Let's hope the rain stays away and let's hope we get a fitting climax to what's been a brilliant T20 World Cup. I've absolutely loved it, even if Australia couldn't make it into the finals. Um, it's been a joyous experience uh, and glad that we've had it on our shores. Midday Matters continues for the Master Builders of Victoria and for Melbourne Roadside Rescue, Wrong Fuel Extraction. Search upshipcreek.com.au. Back on Midday Madness after this. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Access to the best in construction industry training. Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. Sam Hargraves in for Dwayne. Earmuffs. Earmuffs. We said at the top of the show that when I'm going to give live scores, I'm going to say earmuffs. You'll have that amount of time to put your hands up to your ears if you don't want to hear the scores. But we are a live sports station and we do need to give scores. I'm even going to give you more time because I'm going to get to Carl in Ivanhoe first for Midday Madness on the Werribee Care open line. Carl, hello. Thanks for holding, mate. I appreciate it. Uh, no problem, Sam. I, I think the marketing department has got a lot to answer for here for the World Cup because traditionally all the marketing for T20 cricket Big Bash, school holidays, young kids and families. And yet we're holding the World Cup, I know scheduling is difficult, in the wettest month on the eastern seaboard, which it has been October for the last 50 years. So I think they need to look at their marketing 
and say, hey, let's market this to young families a lot more. Uh, Carl, interesting thoughts. The only thing I would say to that, with all due respect, is that um, the, the days that it hasn't rained, we haven't turned up either. Um, there were 2,000-odd more people at uh, Pakistan, New Zealand at the SCG than there was Australia, New Zealand at the SCG. So that would be the only thing I would say to that. Uh, I'm going to start giving you some scores. Uh, Victoria Trail, Queensland by 140 uh, runs with nine wickets remaining. Sheffield Shield day two at Allen Border Field. It was a horrible day for Victoria yesterday. Bowled out for 63. Queensland all out for 205. Victoria in response in their second dig. Uh, one for two. Back after this with Simon Hellman. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Access to the best in construction industry training. Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. Uh, we're an hour in to Dwayne's World. Sam Hargraves filling in for Dwayne. It's wonderful to be here with you. It's great to have your company. Midday Madness is still going. one 736 736 on the Werribee Kia open line. Awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. You can text in at any time on the 40 Winks temper text 0433-981116. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you at 40 Winks. Serious about sleep. Just one off the text, the 40 Winks temper text. Uh, there were several people that asked me how it was going, which is lovely, um, and I appreciate that. They appreciate the care that goes into that. And then we had a caller who said, I'm sick of people asking you how you are, which I found very funny. Um, And then I've had a text uh, to say, Dwayne would go off at a person who bags someone for saying, why do you ask people how you are? He loves it. I had made this known and he thinks it's very considerate. So please don't let people tell you what to do. A blanket, I'm fine. Um, It's Dwayne's house after all. I did say that, that I'm house sitting Dwayne's house and we'll try and do things uh, exactly how Dwayne likes them to be done. So midday madness one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The pipe promise you call, you get on. Uh, coming up in this hour, we'll talk AFLW semi-finals um, uh, this weekend. Uh, we'll have a yarn about that, and I want to play the Gil McLaughlin audio from earlier today because the AFL confirmed that all nine matches of the round to be held on April thirteen will be played in South Australia from Thursday, April 13 to Sunday, April 16, which coincides with school holidays. be the first time that an entire round of an AFL premiership season has been played in the same location. So the season next year will be 24 rounds, 23 matches per side. So this is big. This is a massive change in the landscape uh, of the AFL. So six games will be played at the Adelaide Oval. Um, Thursday night, Friday night, doubleheader Saturday, Sunday. The remaining three games are going to go to suburban grounds and maybe a regional venue. They're tossing up the Barossa Valley. Um, so that's a massive win by the South Australian government. And uh, their Premier, uh, Peter Malinowskis, did not miss uh, his counterpart in New South Wales. So we'll hear from Gil McLaughlin uh, a little bit later on. Um, just before we get to Simon Helmet, the WBBL uh, Renegades coach, um, Mark in back has been waiting patiently for Midday Madness. G'day, Mark. G'day, Sam. Hope, hope yourself and the family are doing well. Oh, <laughs> Mark, you've extended it out. It's not just me now, but the family. Well, the beautiful Evie and Charlie Bear are doing very nicely. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I thought I'd go the classic, the classic <laughs> approach, mate. That's good. I Old like school. it. Quickly, though, I hear a lot of chat about why the crowds might be down at the World Cup for cricket. And I hear about prices and that, but... What frustrates me a little bit, and I'd like you to be able to fill in the blanks here because I reckon you will because of the way you are. You're a straight shooter. 
is they'll say the prices are expensive, the ticketing prices, but no one, none of the compares will give us the actual prices. They'll say they're expensive, but give us a figure. Like, are they 60 bucks booked? Are they 80 bucks a seat? What, what is the actual price? So then we can actually sit there and actually go, yeah, well, that's fair enough. That's a, that's, that's a fair call and that's not a fair call. But I don't like just hearing, oh, tickets are expensive. And then it's like deflected. Let's go talk about something else because, you know, it, we don't want SEN to talk about the actual pricing, the actual true figure. So can you give us true figures so we can make a true actual assessment and then go from there and have a proper, a proper conversation, intelligent conversation about the topic? Please. Well, I appreciate your faith in me to have an intelligent conversation, Mark. Um, that means a lot. Uh, I will be straight with you. I have absolutely no idea what the prices are. And I'm in a very lucky position with media accreditation that I can head along to games, uh, even if I'm not commentating them, um, and, and take in, um, whether it be the T20 World Cup or the AFL or whatever sport I happen to be calling uh, in that season. So I will have a look into that, Mark, and I will find out. Um, we've got a couple of hours with which we can do that. So... Um, we've got a full team assembled out the back. We've got young Ben and Tom who are helping out today with Link as well. And Rod, of course, is uh, magnificent on the buttons. He's a, a maestro there. Uh, Mitch has just wandered in. It's, uh, it's a big deal out the back today. So let me find out for you. In the meantime, uh, our next guest is uh, one of the really respected minds in T20 cricket all around the world where he's coached um, in all the various competitions uh, of the 2020 format in various parts of the world. And he's in Australia at the moment. He's coaching the Renegades in the W. BBL and they've got a fight on their hands in their last four games. Mathematically still a chance of making finals in this WBBL season, but it's going to take something almighty. But with the mind of Simon Helmet at the helm, uh, I'm sure they will fancy their chances. Simon Helmet, hello, mate. Afternoon, Sam. How are you, buddy? I'm really well. Great to chat to you again. You and I have done uh, some BBL games together in the past, and it was a pleasure to do so. Um, we might uh, get your thoughts on this World Cup in just a moment, but we're here to talk WBBL probably hasn't been the season you would have been hoping for, for the Renegades. Would that be fair to say? Uh, very fair to say. Unfortunately, we've been well below par with the bat. I think our bowling and general fielding has been up to scratch, but we just haven't quite you know, matched up with the opposition uh, when it comes to the stick. And uh, look, we started off well yesterday with both our overseas players, you know, putting on a 50-run partnership before the rain came down, unfortunately. So we set ourselves up nicely. So hopefully being back at the junction in front of our home fans, which is the first time in over a 1,000 days, uh, you know, we can we can continue to play well against the Scorchers tomorrow, which will be a tough ask, and also against our crosstown rivals in the Stars on the Sunday. So, yeah, plenty of good cricket to be at the junction this weekend, mate. So when you talk about the batting, Helmo, is, is it just is a case of we've just got players out of form or is, you know, are you giving credit to the standard of, of bowling for this season? Um, have you been able to put your finger on why the runs haven't flowed? Yeah, it's a combination, I think, of both of those things. The competition is red hot. I think it's the best uh, WBBL season we've ever had. Mm. Uh, the overseas talent, the domestic talent that's developed. And, you know, that's why we're number one, you know, Australian cricket team in the world. Uh, I suppose um, we've had a couple of injuries, which they're not excuses, but and, and a couple of players who didn't arrive. So what happens there is a, a newer players maybe get some opportunities that they haven't had before. And we're still a relatively young group. And, and that's something that I need to keep reminding myself that we, you know, Josie Dooley and Courtney Weber and Sophie Mullen herself are still, you know, in, in their early 20s. And we know as a batter and, and batters, whether it be male or female, uh, to keep developing and growing and improving, especially as, as, as they get older. 
And T20, as you and I have discussed before, you know, when we've been doing games together, it's, it's not, not always a young person's game. It's a person who's had many, many experiences and been in many, many pressurised situations before. Uh, so, look, it's, 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 it's us developing and growing. Partnership's still the key. doesn't matter what format you play. We just haven't been able to do that consistently enough. But I think we're trajectory in the right way. It's just whether we have enough time for the rest of this season. Simon Helmets, the coach of the Renegades in the WBBL. Um, Helmo, your best performance shows that you can compete with the very best. The strikers sit third on the ladder. You beat them earlier in the year. Your other wins come yeah. against the Thunder who sit below you. So in the next four yeah. games, it's, they're all must win uh, now. It's not outside yeah. the realms of possibility, um, but it starts tomorrow against the Scorchers. So what did you identify happened for you in that game against the Strikers where you did play at your very best that you need to tap into for the next four games? Yeah, for, for us, it's obviously having a, you know, bowling very well defensively. We restricted them to 125 runs, which was, was, which was a very good effort. And, and we come across a Scorchers team, which have two of the most dynamic and powerful opening batters in the competition in uh, Sophie Devine and, and Mooney. Uh, you know, the Mooney, the number one T20 batter in the world and probably Devine the most destructive. We know in, in WBBL cricket, if you are able to get through the top order, uh, and expose the middle order, then you do you get you give yourself a chance to restrict a team, or in fact, uh, you know, limit the total that uh, you know you might have to chase down. Um, I suppose though, for us, it's not overly concerning ourselves with the opposition, but actually being clear with our plans and processes. And we have we have a combination of players who know their roles. Some um, are boundary hitters, and some are accumulators. And we've probably done a lot of discussion and talk about that, Sam, since uh, since you know those early rounds on what's your role, how you best play your role, and how can you best be part of a match-winning partnership or an influencing partnership to help us win the game. So, as a coach. Helmo, what's your message? What's the approach that you're asking the players to take over the next four games? Uh, it's, from a batting point of view, it's about being fearless, playing smart and being calm under pressure. We know the opposition are allowed to bowl, you know, Alana King's allowed to bowl good balls. Uh, you know, Mazian Cap's allowed to bowl good delivery. So it's about us just being calm under pressure. And then when we do get our chance, our opportunity presents with the running hard between the wickets, as well as making sure we put pressure on the opposition bowlers uh, with good intent and rotation, and still being calm and brave at the same time. Not, all, all, not always easily done, but that's, that's the plan. With, with the ball, it's a very simple process. Match the conditions. We obviously have enough player intel on their opposition to how best restrict them or in fact get that player out. So someone like uh, Shabs Ismail has been great for us uh, in able to you know, try, try and restrict opposition with her, with her pace bowling and obviously her knowledge of, of, of opposition. Uh, and, then, and then the heartbeat of the team is often in the field. Show your energy, show your movement, throw the first punch, make sure that you're prepared to be in the contest to create, not wait. That's I love what's it. on the whiteboard tomorrow, mate. <laughs> All right. So it's four games to go. You've got the Scorchers. You've got yep. the Stars. You've got the Thunder yep. and the Sixers. So um, it's going to be a yep. massive yep. run home. We're wishing you all the best with it, Helmo. Um, and we're cheering on for the Renegades. But before I let you go, you've coached T20 yep. cricket all around the world. What have you made of this uh, T20 World Cup? We've got England, Pakistan in the final. How have you seen it play out? Yep. I just think it's been some of the best cricket internationally that I've seen for a long time. What we saw last night was an exhibition of some of the best two batters in the world, Alex Hales and Josh Butler. What we saw in the very first match, Pakistan-India, was one of the most incredible T20 matches I've ever seen and witnessed. I think, I think it's rejuvenated my confidence 
in that we can cope and we can work out a way of how we manage the three formats to be successful for both the participant and the viewer. And I, I just caught the back end of what you were talking about before, that people being concerned about crowds, et cetera. We're not the biggest country in the world when it comes to population. We don't have a population of India or some of those other places. So it's not always easy to get big crowds for the two teams where the, you know, the national side is not playing. But from a cricketing point of view, I just think that, you know, all the IPLs and the other, you know, the Big Bash, et cetera, the, the competition we have around the world are helping growing and developing that game. But there's still something about international cricket. And I think Australia's put on a great job besides the weather. We can't control that. Uh, I think Australia, I think we've done a great job here with all the different venues we have, different wickets we have. And I, I think it promises to be an unbelievable final. England, absolute powerhouse with the bat versatile uh, with the ball against Pakistan, who have got two of the best opening batters in world cricket with a pace attack, which is, I think, the best in the world. So it's going to be a cracking final. So who wins, Helmo? Um, I'm going with England. You're going I with England, England? I think they showed last night. I think so, yeah. I mean, I thought it might have been... I was, ho- I was hoping and praying for an India-Pakistan final, but I just think England have every base covered from multi-skilled players who can bat and bowl in the, uh, bat and bowl in the middle... Good spin bowling last night from Rashid, which was brilliant. Uh, they're opening batters. If you can't get Hales and uh, Hales and Butler out, they've still got six. They bat down to nine. I mean, Livingston's down at seven. So, you know, they're such a versatile team. I think Pakistan were lucky to be there. England deserved to be there. Yeah, I think if Pakistan can get the unlikely win, Helmo, I, I think that Netherlands will get up on the days with them. Um, to help them, to, to help them lift up the cup. Right, mate. Yeah, they'll get them in the oh, team photo, I reckon. I reckon South Africa might be there too, mate. Yeah, yeah they'll shout them all. They'll, they'll shout them all. Oh, um, yeah. Mate, thanks for your insight. Oh, actually, just as before we let you go, there's a text that's come through off the 40 Winks temper text. Can you ask Simon about upcoming yeah. talent Paris Bodler, uh, Bowdler, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Will she get the chance to play another game this season? Hey, great question. We've always had Aaron Finch as the, uh, as the Geelong Colax, you know, regional player from the Renegades. But now Paris Bowler, a very talented 16, 17-year-old uh, wiki-keeper bat- batter. Uh, she debuted in her first game against the Sixers in Ballarat a week or two ago. Her first uh, action out in the ground was keeping behind Elisa Healy. She reckon she wasn't nervous about that. Um, <laughs> she's a really good young player, and she's going to be the future of the Renegades. She's just come on as a replacement player. And, uh, yeah, whoever your, uh, view, uh, your listener is there knows, knows his cricket. Uh, she's going to be a super player for us. Thank you so much, Simon Helmet, coach of the Renegades in the WBBL. Four must-win games for them if they're to make finals in this season. But stranger things have happened in sports, so we're hoping uh, for a phenomenal run home for the Renegades. Uh, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Werribee Kia open line is always that uh, awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Afternoons on SEN is for Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. It's brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Uh, on the other side of this, I want to play a Gil McLaughlin, a little slab of Gil McLaughlin from the announcement by the AFL today um, that there will be a full round added to the schedule for next season. It will be in April. We'll go to a 23-round season, to a 24-round season. Every team will play 23 games next year. And uh, that round will all take place in South Australia. We'll get the details and your thoughts on the other side of this on Afternoons. Uh, Get expert legal support. Become a Master Builder uh, Victoria member today. Want the best in industry training? Contact Master Builders Victoria. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale. Brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. 
access to the best in construction industry training? Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. It's a great thrill to uh, officially announce that the AFL will play an extra round uh, in the 2023 Toyota AFL Premiership season. And that round will be played right here in South Australia. It is a league first for the national competition. All nine AFL matches featuring all 18 clubs will be played in a single state for Premiership points. It will officially be round five of the 2023 season and the nine games will be scheduled across four days running from Thursday, April 13 through to Sunday, April 16 with dates coinciding with the school holidays nationally. Matchups, timings and venues will be confirmed upon the release of the fixture in late November um, but you know, at the risk of getting this wrong, nothing is confirmed, but the, the, the broad proposal we play here at Adelaide Oval in this incredible venue, Thursday night, Friday night, we'd have double headers uh, here on Saturday, double header here on Sunday, uh, and then you would be able to we'd play the balance of the games, three games in, in um, suburban venues in Adelaide and potentially a regional venue, and there's all to be confirmed and we'll partner with the, the state government on that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's pretty exciting. All entry to all of the nine matches will be free to club and AFL members. So clearly it's relevant to your specific club, but it will be free, member, free to members for your teams. And further ticket information will be released shortly with tickets on sale post the release of the fixture. So there we go. That was Gil McLaughlin earlier today. This is huge. This is exciting. This is going to be a whole lot of fun. A full extra round of footy in season 2023. We go from 23 rounds to 24. Clubs will now play 23 games in the season. And every single game of what we believe is round five, April 13th to April 16th, will all be played in Adelaide and, uh, and South Australia. So the majority of the games at the Adelaide Oval, Norwood probably for a couple, and they're thinking the Barossa for another one to take uh, the games out regional. And, and that's a great bit of information from Gil too, that for your games, uh, your membership gets you in for free. So I would be booking flights now before the gouge comes uh, and it, it make it um, as inexpensive a weekend as possible. But it's fantastic for Adelaide. Um, I'm glad that when we did this, and I'm, I'm glad that we are doing this, but I'm glad that we're doing this um, outside of Victoria. So non-Victorian states with their footy often feel like uh, they get the raw end. Uh, or the, 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 the burn end of the stick, whichever way you want to phrase it. So it's great to see that we're going to a, a state outside of Victoria for the first one. And, and this will be an event that will go around Australia over time. We don't have a name for it yet. I don't think we'll call it Magic Round because that's what the NRL have called theirs. I mean, is it just as simple as Footy Fest? <laughs> that's real basic, isn't it? Footy Festival? The Festival of Footy? <laughs> So I want your nominations for the name. John Ralph in the Herald Sun is saying that we should name it after Neil Danaher, and I don't think anyone would have any issue um, with that at all as a, another way of honouring just the incredible contribution to not just the great game of AFL, but um, to, 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 the, to the human race, to society, to our community that Neil Danaher has in his fight for, for MND, uh, fight against MND. So um, I have no issue with that. And then what else can we gain out of this? John Ralph talking about maybe having a summit, an ideas summit um, at this festival of footy. Um, 
how else can we improve the game? We've always got to be looking at ways to grow, looking at ways to innovate. And this is a fantastic initiative, I think. And um, I know that there'll be people that will find something wrong with it, but surely we can all agree that this this is, um, without having seen it yet, it's been a raging success for the NRL. And we're hoping that it will be for the AFL uh, as well. Um, so give us your thoughts on that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Werribee Care open line. The 40 Winks temper text, 0433 If you've got a name for what we call it, I haven't put any thought into that clearly. So I'd like you to, and uh, and the floor is yours. Uh, we've got some great prizes to give away uh, as well. Uh, we're going to get to an early news because we've got different markets around Australia that are observing Remembrance Day commemorations at various times. So we'll get to an early news now, and I'll come back with some scores uh, on the other side of the break. So earmuffs, because we're going to do some scores uh, after the news. April? I'm going to take the blame for this because I think that maybe I didn't communicate exactly what was happening with uh, what what we're at the moment with the working title of Magic Round, what's exactly going to be happening. Because there's a few people that are saying, um, let's call it WTF are the AFL doing round. We have missed two games. We have missed games for over two years and they take away more games. No, this is an extra game. This is 23 rounds to 24 rounds. This is... 22 games for uh, normally a year to 23 games for the year. They're not taking anything away. They're adding. Maybe oh, That's on me. I clearly didn't explain it properly, and we played Gil's audio as well. So Gil and I will take joint responsibility for that not being communicated correctly. Uh, Billy's in Devonport. Hello, Billy. G'day, mate. Far G'day. away. Mate, I reckon you should call it the footy fiesta, but also I think it's a bit of a shame that they're not involving the women's feet. So you can have women's footy playing... At 12 o'clock, and then the senior men, Adelaide versus the Kangaroos, for example, at 2 o'clock. It'd be a really opportunity for promotion of footy. And if you wanted to go one step further, why not have some under-18 footy or, you know, the carnival footy there as well? It'd be a great opportunity, mate. Yeah, it's interesting, Billy, given that they're at different times of the year now. I wonder if um, that might even be too much to sort of schedule and with the uh, TV rights fixturing and, and everything that's to come. But I would imagine that they'll do exactly the same thing that they're doing for the men's competition in the women's competition, um, uh, maybe even as early as next season. So I think you're right. I mean, we do have the state carnivals that happen as well. Um, we talk, we're going to speak to Jimmy Smith. The Rugby League World Cup's happening at the moment with the men's, women's, the wheelchair all happening at the same time. I just wonder if over a weekend it might be too much footy to try and schedule into four days. But uh, I like the thinking that's in behind it, Billy, and I appreciate you making the call um, to do it. Um, Campbell Brown's going to join me uh, on the other side of the break. Uh, I did say I was going to give you some scores, but we need to get a break away and then get to Brownie. As I said, we're just working the clock so people can observe their Remembrance Day commemoration. So Campbell Brown's going to join us on the other side of this to uh, preview this weekend's racing. We'll talk a little bit of footy as well, and you can keep calling in on the Werribee Key open line for Midday Madness, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 This is Sam Hargraves filling in for Dwayne on Afternoons SEN. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Access to the best in construction industry training? Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. Uh, let's turn our attention to a little bit of racing and a little bit of footy too. Uh, every week uh, on a Friday, Dwayne Russell speaks to the one and only Campbell Brown uh, ahead of uh, what is always a big weekend in racing, but it's been a massive spring carnival for the dog and the whole SEN track team, and he's just panting on the other end of the line at the moment. Just needs a breather, I would imagine. A drink of water, perhaps, just to rehydrate with all the celebrating. Uh, Brown Dog, hello to you. 
Sammy, good to uh, be joining you, and um, you won't be seeing me on track for the rest of the year. I'll be doing the races in the studio, but uh, I am racing out. How, 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 <laughs> it's, I feel like I'm speaking to someone after they've done a marathon. Um, how's the body yeah. holding up? How's the mind holding up? Yeah, holding up okay. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a stayer. Um, you know, if, if I was a Melbourne Cup horse, I'd be the type of horse that got past the post that wouldn't blow a candle out, but uh, I need a spell. Yeah. yeah, it just put you out into the paddock for a little while. Yeah, a little paddock and um, come back fresh in the new year and we'll just jump straight into it. So yeah, you're very, very, good, very uh, You're very good, good first up. You're very good first up. <laughs> it was fun. It was a lot, a hell of a lot of fun and SEN track tore it to shreds and uh, hopefully everyone found a winner or two and enjoyed themselves. You know, you did tear it up. You bo- you boys were magnificent and it felt like that everybody had their moment. Everybody had their day of the SEN track team um there was a moment that you all were able to feature in and uh, a winner that you'd backed out from a long way or backed in from a long way out that that got home what did you feel like was your defining moment and then what do you feel like the defining moment of the spring was for you um well the defining moment well the, the greatest race i saw live for the spring was was animo uh in the might and power at caulfield guineas day um had no right to win and just, you know, great uh, athletes. They find a way in the face of adversity. And that to me was better than uh, his Cox plate, um, better than anything we saw this spring. Um, My defining moment, look, there probably wasn't a whole lot of them. I think I found Baller at about 25 to one on Dwayne's program uh, early in the spring when it came down from Queensland. That was, it's always nice when you can hit them like that. Um, and I think uh, Bella Nipotina and uh, outstanding run in the Manicato that obviously had the drama surrounding it with the lightning strikes the night before that got pushed to the end of the card on Cox Plate Day. That, it's not often in racing, Sammy. You can you can turn to your friends and high-five them in a Group 1 sprint race at the 400-metre mark. And uh, and that's how far Bella Nipotina had that race won. And what about from your colleagues? Who, who do you feel like found a winner that you'll... You'll never forget. I know that Cam was on, uh, I think, Golden Trip for a fair way out. Um, yeah, well, I loved it. So Tags and, and Cam found Gold Trip. Also, Cam was uh, was on the Oaks winner a long, long uh, way out. Um, I thought that Miles saving the day with H2O on um, on Oaks Day, I think it was, at 26 to 1, was, was outstanding and, and celebrated accordingly. I, I picked up a bottle of water and and um, sprayed him in H2O. I thought that was appropriate. Beautiful. Um, so, yeah, everyone had their... Uh, brought them, the Brian Lara, uh, oh, a little yes. pop into the SEN track marquee, and, and, and Cam Luke trying to um, yeah, invite him to, to Bar Bambi that night and wanting him to hang around for uh, the race all day and invited him for dinner, and uh, he, he was like a fly that you couldn't shoo away. Um, but Brian managed to, to swat him away. Uh, that was that was brilliant stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you thought Brian Lara's greatest skill in the world was dispatching the world's greatest bowlers to the boundary, uh, maybe just <laughs> seeing him play play Kamloops Square of the Wicket either side just to try and avoid <laughs> accepting an invitation was equally as masterful. <laughs> he couldn't read the room, Cam. Uh, Brian, um, he wanted to get back to the, the birdcage marquee quick smart. 
Uh, that's very funny. That's very humorous. All right, so what about this weekend? Cranbourne Cup, the Hunter. Uh, what have you got for us at Cranbourne? Yeah, Group 1 racing's over, but there's still some outstanding racing uh, tomorrow and going forward. It's the Cranbourne Cup, as you mentioned. Uncle Bryn, it is your favourite, but it's a, it's a $4.80 favourite. Oh, I really like this horse. Busted and young team uh, took this, this horse up to Sydney last weekend in the Five Diamonds, and it ran really well. It got galloped on um, and uh, ran fifth, made up significant ground uh, in a leader-biased track um, that day, and, and I thought that run was superb. So on the quick back up, but gets to its home track, and I think uh, can get the job done there at 480 in what is a, a pretty open field. Now, the Hunter, I'm looking for a little bit of value here, and this is another great addition of the Hunter. There's a horse called Gem Song at about $21. Chris Lee trains it. Uh, this is its home track in Newcastle. It's got a good record on its, uh, on its home deck. Its first up run in the Sydney Stakes was, was brilliant, I thought. Really good second up form. Um, steps up in, in trip, just that extra 100 metres should suit. Gets uh, Hugh Bowman in the saddle that'll be pretty keen to punch home a couple of winners before he jumps on a plane and heads over to Hong Kong to start his stint over there. Um, I think $21 is real value for, uh, for that horse. Um, and then there's a couple, uh, just shorties, so don't be silly. But Cranbourne race two, number two, horse called Dunkel, trained by Paddy Payne. It's about $1.80. This was brilliant on debut uh, the Friday night of the Valley before Derby Day. Um, was a bit tardy out of the gates, got back on a heavy 10, worked through the field, weaved through under the, uh, the riding of Harry Coffey and, and won like a good horse, steps up now to 2,000 metres, uh, should suit it. And if you want a little play tonight, um, there's, there's Friday night racing at the Valley, uh, there's one called Clay Damore, which um, was was brilliant, winning at a very short quote um, last start. It's race seven, number one. Gemma Riley trains it. It's at about $2.60. Um, this horse has got a lot of ability, and um, it just put him to the sword at Bendigo last start, one by four. Uh, steps up to the 2,000 now. Um, harder race, benchmark 70, but uh, should be getting the job done. So hopefully we can have a little bit of luck with a couple of those four tips, Sammy. Uh, I love your work, uh, Campbell Brown. I don't know if you heard, but your, your great mate, Shane Crawford, who's about to tread the boards for the first time in Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, uh, we're wishing him all the best uh, for that. He's a born entertainer, is Croft, uh, in any format, whether it be on the field or uh, on stage. Um, he was, uh, first and foremost, uh, have you got tickets to go? Are, are you heading along? I'm going next Wednesday night, which I believe is one of the opening nights. Um, uh, love Croft, and I think it's fantastic that he's found a calling sort of post-footy. He's always been one of those guys to put his hand up and um, take himself out of his comfort zone, whether it be a run or a bike ride or whatever it may be. And I think his years of Hank Bolger in the early 2000s mm. will hold him in very good stead for Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat little cameo he's got. Uh, absolutely. Now, he was speaking to Julian De Stoop a little earlier on today, and he spoke about the fact that he's a little concerned with uh, what looks to be what's going to be uh, with a board election, presidential election at the Hawthorne Footy Club. He's just got a couple of concerns about Mitch and that making sure that, that he's OK. And um, do you have, I mean, putting aside what's obviously about to happen with, and not to, to be dismissive of it, but putting aside what's about to happen with 
um, the uh, independent inquiry into what's uh, happened or what may have happened at Hawthorne in regards to Indigenous players over the journey. But from an on-field point of view, are you as concerned about where Hawthorne are at as perhaps Mitch is, as as Croft is? Um, yes and no. I'll, I'll say that um, I don't think that Sammy Mitchell, uh, you know, whether the, the board changes or not, would affect him in the slightest. He's, he was earmarked, you know, as the next uh, replacement for Clarko, and it's a long-term view they've got of Sam Mitchell, and they've made decisions in the last 12, 18 months based on him being there for, for five to ten years. So that's not going to change. Um, I think that the club lost probably too much leadership uh, and, and ability in the trade period. You know, big boy McAvoy retires, so they're looking for a new captain. You lose your vice captain in, in Jager O'Meara. Tommy Mitchell, you, you know, he's won three best and Ferris and a Brownlow at the Hawks. Liam Shields and Daniel Howe, just really good experienced role players. Um, Jack Gunston, there's a hell of a lot of of leadership and, and just good quality going out of the side, which leaves the young guys pretty vulnerable. Uh, on paper, you're putting a lot, hell of a lot of trust in, you know, second, third, fourth-year players that have shown ability, but um, it's going to be harder for them now. It's their club now. Um, I, I, I see them sliding this year down the ladder. Um, and in terms of, you know, the it's just a, it's just a very... Um, vulnerable time for the Hawthorne Footy Club. I think it's as, as unstable uh, as it's been since 2004 when Clarko took over. Um, we had no CEO at that time. We had no captain. Um, we were training out of Glen Ferry Oval and there was the transition to, to Waverley. So at the moment, you know, they're training at Waverley with the transition out to Dingley. Um, obviously, you know, the, the board stuff that's happening trying to find a new captain, which will be James Sicily. There's no doubt about that. But, yep. yeah, there's just there's just a, an, an air of uncertainty around the Hawthorne Footy Club, which they probably haven't had for the last 15 to nearly 20 years. It's, it's always been a pretty stable place in terms of on-field and off-field. So uh, it'll be okay. It's always had really good governance and, and strong leadership. It'll be fine. But you don't often see this at, at Hawthorne. Now, uh, I appreciate that. I'm on with you. I don't think they'll jump at shadows like other clubs have with second-year coaches. I think Mitch will be given the time that very few um, rookie coaches are given the luxury of, um, which is how it should be. Um, dog, there are many iterations of you, uh, we've always said. Uh, there's racing dog, there's football dog, and then sometimes there's political dog, and sometimes those two things meet. And at the moment, there's a Hawthorne board election. Have you been, uh, has anyone reached out to you to be part of their campaign, to, to be a figurehead? <laughs> Have Andy Gowers uh, perhaps reached out um, and said, listen, I, I need to employ you as political dog? <laughs> They're not that crazy. Uh, if they do want to win this uh, this board spill, they'll uh, they don't need me on their side. They've got uh, James Molino, who sort of brings that that political experience behind him. Obviously, there from the, the Labor Party. Um, but no, uh, I love my politics, but I reckon footy politics is is something that uh, you're better off staying out of and just sort of managing people from outside looking in. Be the puppet master, not the puppet. <laughs> All right. Beautifully done. So we don't have an inside word yet on the market for, for Nankerville and Gowers. We'll, um, we'll wait and see as the market firms in the lead up to that election. Hey, dog, have a great day on SEN track today. Have a great weekend. If, uh, if it was a dirty man. What's that? 
if I was a betting man, Sammy, if I was a betting man, I, I say that um, that Nankerville uh, holds his his position. There we go. You heard it here first. Campbell Brown, SEN track zone, SEN zone, mate. Uh, always love catching up with you. We'll chat to you soon. Have a great weekend. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Access to the best in construction industry training. Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. That's the worrying thing because um, at the moment he's, he's heavily supported and you know and he's making the tough calls and a lot of coaches in his position wouldn't wouldn't have made a lot of the calls you know especially you've got so much experience going out and I just worry that maybe he should have kept a couple just from a, a leadership point of view and a training point of view and and just that having good blokes around it's really important but um, obviously he wants to get game time and and have no. Uh, no interference and and not be in a headspace where he can and chuck in a few older players to help out. It's like, no, I've got to see whether or not these young kids can stand up. So interesting time. I just hope even if there's a new board that comes on board, they don't get all a bit nervous because the Hawks may struggle for the next year or two. They s- stick together. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really tough time. It's been very disappointing. Um, I've been absolutely shattered for... Alistair Clarkson and and Chris Fagan and Jason Burt because you know I, my experience with those guys you know Jason Burt was wonderful at from a welfare point of view and keeping the club together and and the players connected with their families and then Alistair Clarkson um, was incredible at making sure the players developed themselves off the field and were better people in the community and especially when they finished and then Chris Fagan well he's the He's the nicest bloke in footy. The legendary Shane Crawford speaking to Julian DeStoop a little earlier on the captain's run, sen.com.au, to hear the full chat. Um, well worth a listen. I'm going to play in the next hour the most shocking part of that chat, that the biggest bombshell that he dropped in that chat. But uh, great to have Crawford. We wish him all the best as he gets set to star in Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Raylene, Ben, Nicholas, stay right there. I'm going to come to you on the other side of this. Uh, this is... Midday Madness and Afternoons, all for Melbourne Roadside Rescue, wrong fuel extraction. Search up shipcreek.com.au. Maria Faye, Del Tacho, Del Solar, up next. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Access to the best in construction industry training. Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. Uh, yes, indeed. Looking forward to spending another big hour with you. Sam Hargraves filling in for Dwayne. And if you're just curious, depending on what market you're listening in, however you're finding us, wherever you're finding us around the country on the SEN network or on the SEN app, um, we're going to news a bit earlier at times. Um, it's all because we have different markets in different time zones tuning in. And um, we need to make sure that in those markets that they get the chance to um, have their Remembrance Day commemorations uh, every year, 11 a.m. on the 11th of November, the 11th hour, the 11th day, the 11th month, 11th month, we do pause to remember those men and women who have served and those who have died in all wars and peacekeeping operations. So um, we thank you for, for that and we appreciate uh, all of our service men and women and we appreciate uh, you in helping us honour them on this Remembrance Day. Uh, big last hour to come before 3 o'clock, Kate McCarthy from uh, AFL Channel 7 AFL, uh, Hawthorne AFLW player formerly with St Kilda and the Brisbane Lions is going to come on to preview semi-final action of uh, AFLW. Jimmy Smith is going to be on uh, in about 15 minutes' time because whilst Australia have... Um, well, uh, 
Yeah, drop the bundle. Uh, in this T20 World Cup, there is a World Cup where we are absolutely dominating, and it's on the other side of the world uh, in the UK. But in the Rugby League World Cup, we've got a semi-final against New Zealand, uh, and all three of our teams, men's, women's, and wheelchair, are into the semi-final. So Jimmy Smith uh, Jr. is going to come on to preview and just to get us up to speed in case you haven't really been able to take in any of the Rugby League World Cup. In just a moment, Maria Faye, um, Atacho Del Solar, um, Australian beach volleyball superstar, is about to join me ahead of a massive event uh, which is not far away from getting underway in uh, Torquay so I'll give you the details of that in just a moment but uh, Raylene in Thornbury has been waiting patiently uh, hello Raylene oh hi I just wanted to talk about the um, extra football game that we're going to have next year how fantastic is that very like, exciting great but I think for a, for a name for it let's go with the fact that we have the greatest game in the world so let's call it the greatest show on earth. Do a bit of Barnum and Bailey about it. There we go. I wonder if we could get Hugh Jackman to come and be like the ambassador for it, Raylene. I think you're onto something. Star power. Hugh to open up proceedings to the full idea. song and dance. <laughs> awesome. I like it. I like the and thinking behind. I know. How good is it? Um, just for you getting involved, Raylene, I'm going to double up. Uh, a family pass to the Women's Big Bash Festival to go with a mystery craft beer bundle for you. Stay on the line. Uh, Lincoln will get your details. Thanks for the call. Ben in Mooney Ponds. G'day, Ben. Hey, g'day, Sammy. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for asking. Well, that's good. Um, I'm all on board for the additional round and that. Yeah, love the love the context. But I reckon it'll be a huge issue for the struggling teams, an extra round, we're going in the wrong direction. It should be less, not you know, not more. For teams, I'm an Essendon supporter. We're, we were cooked after round four this year. So an additional additional round for young teams, struggling teams. I don't want to put more air into Hutchie's sort of tyres, but maybe it gives more yeah, emphasis for what he's been banging on about the, um, the 20 playoff, teams, 20 rounds. Uh, playoff round yeah. Or, that's interesting, Ben, and I appreciate the call. And for some, it might be an issue. And look, this year it would have really been an issue for Essendon. They've identified that fitness um, is an area that needs improving drastically as part of their internal and the external review, both pointed to that. Uh, by the way, Dean Rioli's just been appointed to the Essendon board. Uh, he's taking the seat vacated by Paul Brasher. So that's um, he's uh, got quotes in the Herald Sun today wanting to make sure that Essendon becomes, again, a, de- a destination club for Indigenous players. But he was an absolute superstar, was Dean Rioli, and um, will be a, a wonderful addition to the Essendon board. Just some news out of the Bombers uh, today. Um, $50 Brick Lane Brewing voucher to you, Ben. Stay on the line. Uh, Nicholas in East Bentley, just before we get to Maria Faye. Nicholas, hello. Sammy, how are you, buddy? I'm really well, thank you. That's all right. Two, two points I just want to make very quickly. Um, with the uh, greatest show on earth, uh, I believe that the two Adelaide sides should play one another so there's no homegrown advantage for a start. And also, when the, if and when that does happen, it'd be nice to see Port Adelaide use their prison bar jumpers. What do you think? <laughs> Hang on, how much time have I got left to watch the phone lines blow up again from irate Collingwood members and fans? <laughs> Nicholas, uh, I think it's a great idea to have both Adelaide teams playing. Um, they might say, look, we might not need to do that. We, you know, that's sort of packaging up um, a, a win-win, so to speak. But I think it'd be a nice way to um, maybe to, to cap it all off. And, and, and if it's going to happen, Nicholas, make it a Friday night. Stop disrespecting the showdown in the way that we have by not giving it a standalone time slot. It's always up against another game. 
if we're going to have this round in Adelaide, then let's actually do it honouring uh, South Australian football. Uh, and you could do the same thing if it went to WA next year. You could have the two Perth sides playing in the Derby um, on the Friday night. Let's give that the marquee time slot uh, and, and stop putting what is probably the best rivalry in footy right now, um, the showdown, um, up against another game. Um, I've never felt right about that. So I think it's a great idea that you bring up Nicholas. I'm going to leave the prison bar jumper for another day. Um, 18 holes of golf for you with, uh, for two with a cart at club Mandalay. Thank you for the call. Hey, um, like shining a light on um, a big events that are coming in sports that maybe don't get uh, the spotlight that um, uh, that they normally, or they, whether you think they should, or just the fact that they may not. Um, in in what we uh, a sports loving country, we've got a plethora of uh, brilliant and fantastic events that take place on our shores. But I wanted to highlight one that's coming twenty third of November to the fourth of December: the Great Ocean Road Beach Volley Fest. Um, all the best beach volleyball teams in the world. And it's an area where Australia have done traditionally well at in Olympics, uh, at Com Games. One of the best teams in the world at the moment is the duo of Maria Feyatacho, Del Salar and Taliqua Clancy. Came together after the Rio Olympics when they were playing with other people. And since then, they've been a powerhouse. Silver at the Gold Coast Com Games and at the Birmingham Com Games. Silver at the Tokyo Olympics. They've had a huge season. Um, and Maria Faye has been good enough to jump on the phone. Maria Faye, hello again. Hey, Sammy, how you doing? I'm really well. Great to be talking to you again and really looking forward to what's going to take place. The Great Ocean Road Beach Volley Fest 23rd to the 4th of December down at Torquay. It's been a long time since uh, Australia's had an event um, of this magnitude. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the last time we played at home was the Com Games back in 2018 in the Gold Coast. And we don't really get the opportunity to often play at home. So definitely looking forward to, um, yeah, having the home crowd and our family and friends on our side. And yeah, I can't wait. Uh, the world's best are all going to descend uh, to this beach volleyball festival. Uh, there's going to be music. It's going to be, it is going to be a festival in every sense of the word. There's fantastic musical acts. There's going to be food. Um, it's going to be a real event. Uh, the likes of which, from a volley- beach volleyball perspective, we haven't really seen. There's the Challenge Tournament, the Elite 16, the highest level. Um, for you guys, with um, over $300,000 in the prize pool US, um, there's the incentive, obviously, for the bragging rights, but also there's a bit of an earn. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, beach volleyball is always the love of the party. I'm um, Not to brag about my own sport, but we always do have the best crowd. Um, it is really a big party in the stadium and, um, yeah, it's going to be huge. I mean, like you said, with the um, Challenger, the Elite, the National Tour, there's a few tournaments going on and it's going to be a bit of a festival. So, um, yeah, definitely can't wait and, yeah, definitely going for that big check. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. Now, Maria Faye, for people who don't know your story, um, you were born in Peru. How did you come to be representing Australia at Olympics, Com Games, and uh, not just representing but um, excelling? Um, yeah, so born in Peru, but my mom and um, all my family, like my grandparents, lived um, in Sydney back in the 70s. And back then, it was just so easy to be to kind of um, get the residency after you living in Australia for six months. And that's how mom got it. And then straight away, when my sister and I were born, we, we got the passport. So it was just a matter of um, making the decision of booking flights for mom. And, you know, we knew that there was going to be so many amazing opportunities for for me and my volleyball here. So, yeah, we made the move when I was 11. And, um, yeah, I obviously started playing in Peru volleyball because my sister also played. So I kind of just kept going and, um, yeah, got scouted in 
during indoor camps and um, started playing beach down at Manly in Sydney when I was 12. And, um, yeah, I've been playing ever since. And, yeah, got obviously um, made my way through and um, competitions and that and, yeah, qualified for Rio. And, yeah, I guess the rest is history. <laughs> You've got um, a fantastic relationship with Taliqua Clancy, who's got a great story of her own. She's the first Indigenous Australian to play beach volleyball at an Olympics, a, a proud Wooly Wooly, a Gorang Gorang woman. Um, what is it about your partnership that just clicks? Um, yeah, we do. We have a very um, unique um, partnership. We, it's just super easy for us. It's really fun. We play a, a different style of game co- compared to the rest of the world, which is, makes it super fun. And yeah, obviously it's not something that you can just play with anyone. So our connection is very very authentic, very organic, and, um, yeah, we also have a lot of fun doing it, so that makes it easier. Now, Maria Faye, am I led to believe that potentially there was almost a personal and professional clash that was going to occur um, with this tournament down at uh, Great Ocean Road, Beach Volley Fest, uh, 23rd of November to the 4th of December? Am I right in believing that that may or may not have disrupted a particular personal milestone that was about to be achieved? The event? <laughs> yeah, nearly. To be honest, I nearly had to pick one or the other. But luckily, it's it's the weekend before. Like you said, um, it worked out well. But yeah, our wedding, uh, we're a bit of a COVID couple. So we got... Um, we had to postpone our wedding four times now and we finally got it scheduled for the 10th of December, which is the weekend after Torquay. So I think it'll be a great celebration, um, a double celebration, you know, hoping that we get that gold and then finally getting to celebrate our wedding after actually being legally married for two years. <laughs> so this is just the celebration <laughs> for family and friends. But what I love about this is, so correct me if I'm wrong, but that means given you've been able to reschedule uh, the wedding, and why not? Four times. What's another time if you've already had to do it three times? Yeah, right. Um, does, does that mean not only um, is your family going to be here for your wedding, but your family are actually going to be here to see you play? Now, when was the last time that your father saw you play beach volleyball? Yeah, that's it. Um, it's actually going to be the first time in 22 years where my family is going to be all together, wow. um, which is wild. But yeah, my dad hasn't actually got the opportunity to see me play live since obviously since I was like eight or something at schools of, at school tournaments back in the day. So yeah, definitely a very special time for us. Um, and yeah, my whole family and siblings will be there. So definitely a very, very um, yeah special time that I'm looking forward to. Uh, well, we're really looking forward to this tournament. As I said, we, we are spoilt for choice in terms of sport in this country, but it's always struck me beach volleyball um, is one of the, the really appealing professional pursuits because yeah. from what I can tell, you guys travel the world going to incredible destinations, um, playing the sport that you love um, in, in countries all around the world. Um, it, does it get much better than that? Yeah, that's it. Um, it's a pretty good lifestyle. We do get to travel all over the world and experience you know, different cultures and meet incredible people along the way. Uh, I do have to say, though, it's not all glamorous. It's definitely not easy being away from home and mm. you know, living from week to week, from um, suitcase to hotel, like being different. But, you know, there's there's definitely the, the pros in there. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's such a shame. You know, it's such a popular sport all over the world. It's, it's one of the main sports and... And obviously, um, back home, we're slowly making it bigger and bigger. But, yeah, it's not yet such a huge sport. And it, it makes sense. It's such, such a big part of our culture, you know, outdoors, the beach. And, and like you say, it's such a great sport to watch. It's full of action, power, you know, skill. Um, 
that we definitely need to do a better job at promoting our sport because, like you said, you know, um, no one really gets to know when T and I win an event overseas, and you know, it's such a, it's such a, I guess, um, a, you know, it's it's a big event for us winning international events, but you don't really hear about it much here. So yeah, I we, I hope that slowly it becomes bigger and bigger, and um, more people get involved, and yeah, hopefully one day you will become one of our you know, big tier sports here here in Australia. Well, we've had great success, uh, whether it be uh, Olympics and who could forget Sydney 2000 and um, Com Games. We've had a new guys, Silver, at uh, the last two Com Games and at the last Olympics as well. And uh, our number one ranked men's team uh, have been going along beautifully as well. Chris McHugh and Paul Burnett coming off Com Games. Goal, we've got a couple of other teams as well. It's going to be a magnificent event, Maria Faye. We can't wait for it to get uh, underway and see you guys in action. Good luck with it. Yeah, thank you so much. Good to chat to you again. Uh, an absolute pleasure. Maria Fayatacho del Solar, uh, the Great Ocean Road Beach Volley Fest, Torquay, 23rd of November to the 4th of December. And Victoria and Australia is going to be um, a real focal point for beach volleyball for the next few years. They've secured some massive events. So when, when sports that don't often get the limelight of others, um, these events are so important for them to get an influx as often as possible of, of, of young participants. So this will be huge in that respect for beach volleyball. Uh, so all the details um, you can find um, up on the uh, Australian Beach Volleyball website. So if you're looking to get tickets, uh, that's where you can go. Um, to secure yours. But just Google Great Ocean Road Beach Volley Fest down at Torquay, 23rd to the 4th of December. Um, this is afternoon, so make sure you get legal support. Uh, make sure you get expert legal support. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. If you want the best industry training, contact Master Builders Victoria. Midday Madness is all thanks to Melbourne Roadside Rescue. Wrong Fuel Extraction. Search up ship creek.com.au Sam Hargraves filling in for Dwayne when we come back Jimmy Smith will preview the semi-final action in the Rugby League World Cup Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale brewed by the award winning team at Brick Lane Brewing drink responsibly access to the best in construction industry training call Master Builders Victoria today afternoons on SEN well I don't know if you're aware of this but Australia have actually made the semi-finals of the World Cup. And you might be thinking, no, Sam, uh, the semi-finals of the World Cup were Pakistan, New Zealand and England and India. And now it's going to be England and Pakistan in the final. But I'm not speaking about the T20 World Cup. I don't know if you're aware, but Australia are actually dominating at a World Cup. We thought we'd be dominating on the one that's being played in Australia right now. But we are dominating in one that's being played over the other side of the world. That's the Rugby League World Cup. Uh, and Australia are into the semis of that and do play New Zealand this weekend. And a man who is across that and many, many more things, sport, life, you name it, uh, Jimmy Smith uh, is always uh, the man on the scene and the man in the know. And he's been good enough to jump on with us. Jimmy, hello, mate. Sam, just to clarify for your listeners, uh, New Zealand and England are into the World Cup semifinals. Um Unfortunately, the Pakistan and the India Rugby League teams just missed out on this Rugby League World Cup. So into their spots come the Australian Kangaroos and Samoa. So um, that's how it lines up. But but we might get another England team into the final, which would be disturbing, to be honest. Uh, it would, um, but we know that sometimes, they, that, you know, England in finals need technicalities to go their way uh, in order to get those wins. So. Mate, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you full disclosure here. You know how much I love my rugby league.
But given what's been yep. going on here and, and other commitments, being a new father and whatnot, I have seen exactly zero minutes of this Rugby League World Cup, much to my disappointment. So I need you, and I think we need you, because now that Australia have have uh, fallen well short of expectations in the T20 Cricket World Cup, we need to latch on to our Rugby League team and cheer them on to get some silverware. So what can you tell us as we get ready for Australia v New Zealand? Australia undefeated, look like they've been dominating as they tend to do, but as always, selection dramas and what's the best side? Melbourne Inga with plenty of headaches, but good headaches. How's Australia been and what can you tell us to this point? I'll give you and the listeners a bit of a form guide leading into these two semifinals. So Please. 6.30 tomorrow morning, we've got the Kiwis taking on Australia. Essentially, although maybe England have uh, outperformed what a lot of people anticipated, essentially this is the number one ranked team in the world, which is New Zealand taking on the best team in the world, which is Australia. So it's sort of the World Cup final come early. It's it's going to be an interesting game for lots of reasons. Firstly, as you say, the Kangaroos have made their way through. They've had no problem with our, you know, not not getting the win. But their their style of play, the fluency that they've shown, hasn't quite been there. There's lots of reasons for that. One of them being the fact that Mal Meninga has chopped and changed a lot with his team. I think he's settled now. He should be settled now. Looks like. Nathan Cleary will be the halfback for Australia. Ben Hunt, the hooker. Harry Grant off the bench and Daly Cherry Evans misses out. This is such a big tournament for James Tedesco, one of the great players in the world. He's going to captain Australia into a World Cup semi-final. So they've been winning without setting the world on fire. New Zealand, on the other hand, everyone up. This is a side that's going to challenge Australia. Well, they've shown absolutely nothing yet to suggest that they could beat the Kangaroos the way they've played. They've been overwhelmingly disappointing. They were very lucky to get through a quarterfinal against BG that was very tough. They were behind by 12 on two occasions during the course of the game. And in the end, it's probably their great players in Joey Manu and Brandon Smith that, that got them out of that little fix. Jerome Hughes, to a lesser degree. But they have their form hasn't been anywhere near what we think they're capable of. But everyone still respects them as this team. The Kangaroos have been good without being great, Sammy. And, and, and maybe they don't have to be great to beat this New Zealand side that's been really disappointing. But, you know, they, they've, they've played with a lack of fluency. There's a lot of reasons for that. One of them has been the way that Mal Meninga hasn't really settled on a team yet. We think he has now. We haven't got confirmation of that. We believe that Nathan Cleary will play halfback. Uh, ben Hunt's going to play hooker. Harry Grant from the bench and Daly Cherry Evans misses out. But James Tedesco is going to captain this side. It's such a big moment for him into a Rugby League World Cup semi-final. Um, and they should get the job done against the New Zealand side that despite the fact they've they've come into this tournament as the number one ranked team, they've put together a squad that everyone thinks is going to be highly competitive. They've been clunky all the way through. They were very lucky to get through the quarterfinal with the win against Fiji. Twice during the course of that game, they were down by 12 points. They ended up winning 24-18, but that was probably on the back of their superstar fullback, Joey Manu. So they've, they've played below expectations, the Kiwis. What we do respect them in is the fact that they can have this big performance, this one big performance, and if that is the case, then they can give Australia a scare. The Kangaroos should win, but you just never know, Sammy. 
Has the moment of the World Cup for you, Jimmy, what, what I have seen was that incredible pregame between Samoa and Tonga. Uh, and, and the two, um, well, I don't know if they're called harkers. I'd have to make sure I've got that right. But for lack of the correct word, what they did, you know, nose to nose, but with all respect in the world, before that, that game, that, that was spine-tingling stuff. Yeah, it's one of the features, isn't it, when these uh, Polynesian nations play. Um, the Sippy Tower is yes. the Tonga war dance um, for Samoa. I'm not exactly sure uh, of the, the name of that war dance, but it is such a, you know, generally we see it, one side does it and then the other side responds. This was concurrently. It was a, a, a cry and response, and, and it was, as you say, fine tingling. And, and this is... You know, one of the great things about the, the code, and that is that, you know, everyone is welcome in this code. And there's so many players from Polynesian backgrounds. They've become powerhouses. You know, no one's surprised that uh, Samoa is through to a semi-final. The only surprise was that it, it probably was going to be Tonga if, if all the pundits were going to get it right. Um, fabulous game, highly competitive. Probably a lack of polish from Tonga at the end of that quarterfinal, and they'll be ruining that for the next three years before the next World Cup. The incredible story around this one is, Sammy, that the side that's been best performed during the course of this World Cup are the hosts. England's been excellent. And they've yeah. got a lot of players that are missing. But their coach, Sean Wayne, has done an exceptional job of bringing this squad together and getting them to play really good footy effective immediately. They beat Samoa, their opponents in this semi-final, 66 points to six in the first game. Samoa went into that game as favourites, but Absolutely blown away by England. Uh, and here they are. They meet up in a semi-final. And now the market is much, much closer. I think England win. But, again, it's a little bit like the New Zealand situation. I wouldn't be surprised if Samoa, with, with so many great players and so many NRL-hardened players, yeah. um, give this England side a real fright. So, you know, it's, it's great insight. And you've set us up really nicely. And the, the other unique thing about this Rugby League World Cup, Jimmy, is that at the same time, the Gillaroos... The Aussie women are going to be in action against Papua New Guinea in their semi-final in York, and then England playing New Zealand to, to reach the finals at Old Trafford. And also wheelchair rugby league, Australia taking on France uh, in the semi to play either England or Wales. So it's, I think that's been another beautiful part of this. Where it, it, is, it really has been a rugby league World Cup because you've had the men's, the women's, and the wheelchair. The rugby league world has all converged uh, on England. And a couple of weeks ago, they had the Physical Disability um, Rugby League World Cup. Only a couple of teams playing in that one. But again, it was, it was that very inclusive nature that we, we pride ourselves in on in rugby league. And, and you know what a rugby league lover I am. I, I haven't seen a lot of wheelchair rugby league, but wow. Yeah. What a game. Like, these guys just throw themselves at each other. It's um, It really is murderable as they, they describe it. And, and the women's game has come. It's just amazing. I was doing brekkie this morning with greg alexander and and there we are discussing the various merits of the the fullback options for the australian Gillaroos and whether it be sam bremner or emma tonagato and you know who brings more to the table you know we don't just know these girls we know the way they play and what they bring to the team it's it's fabulous they they got a little bit lucky i think the Gillaroos with their win against new zealand that was a tight game in saying that i don't know that new zealand can beat england in that game because have you heard of 
Courtney Winfield-Hill. You may not have. She's the halfback for England. Born in Maryborough in Queensland. Mm-hmm. She played cricket for the Brisbane Heat. She, she then decided to go and become a professional sprinter. She won the equivalent of the stall gift. And then she went over to England with her partner and thought, you know what? I used to play rugby league as a youngster. I'm going to play it again. Here we are three years later, and she's the halfback for the England side and has been playing superbly during the course of this tournament. She's 35 years of age. She's an absolute flying machine and has got a kicking game that would make half the halfbacks in the National Rugby League green with envy. Hey, Jimmy, I am so glad that we've been able to get you on. For those who might have been like me and who, as much as they've wanted to, haven't been able to take in anywhere near as much, if any at all, this Rugby League World Cup. You have set us up brilliantly for the men's, the women's, the wheelchair, mate, and uh, Australia. What a what a phenomenal achievement it could be if they can get the trifecta. So we'll eagerly anticipate these semis over the weekend and we'll uh, hopefully be able to chat to you next week ahead of the finals. Uh, absolute pleasure, Semi. Anytime, pal. Hang on. So you're saying the son of... Uh... Hawthorne great Shane Crawford, <laughs> if he comes along well, might play for the Gold Coast Suns. <laughs> no, he, he's... Well, because we're up the top of uh, New South Wales, so it's the Northern Rivers, the Gold Coast um, Academy area. So the kids are all very lucky that they can jump into different... the Northern Rivers area and different Gold Coast Academy little zones. So it's... Yeah, so Ben's been a part of that. He's been enjoying that. Um I uh, do Mark Evans, obviously, who's running the shot mm. there. I said to him, uh, I said, if he's any good, he's, he's definitely going to Hawthorne, mate. I'll tell you right now. Bombshell dropped by Shane Crawford today. One of the Hawthorne greats, uh, one of my favourites, one of your favourites, I'm sure, just as a player, as a person, that his son is playing for the Gold Coast Suns Academy. That, that, this cannot be allowed to slip away. We cannot let one of our greats, uh, their sons, uh, become a son. So I will say this to Peter Nankerville or Andy Gowers, whoever commits to taking Shane Crawford's son as a father-son, you've got my vote in the upcoming president's election. Uh, the full chat, sen.com.au with Shane Crawford as he gets set to star in Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Uh, with Julian DeStoop, uh, who was doing the captain's run this morning, is up at sen.com. Dot au Just a couple of scores from around the place. Earmuffs. Earmuffs for those who don't like hearing live sport, uh, live scores on a live sports station. Um, second day of the Vic PGA Championship at Moona Lynx. Kiwi Campbell Rawson has shot a nine under 63 on day two um, to have a two-shot lead at the moment. Back in the clubhouse, nine under, uh, two strokes better off than Queenslander Riley Martin. Um, Victorian Marcus Fraser, a name that many golf fans would know. And also Queensland's Christopher Wood. Uh, three shots back sit um, New South Welshman Lincoln Tye, South Australian Adam Bland, and Victorian Harrison Gilbert. So... Um, uh, $250,000 purse, Campbell Rawson from New Zealand, the current leader. Um, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, on Off The Tee next Tuesday night, 8 o'clock. Myself, Nick Ahern, don't miss it. Podcast is up every week. Um, Sheffield Shield, uh, Victoria yesterday bowled out. Lowest score in, I don't know, I can't remember how many years. It was a it was a dire day for Victoria yesterday. Um, they bowled out the 63. Queensland, in response, uh, put up 200 uh, and. Five uh, bowled out. 
Um, uh, Victoria in response, four for 36. So they still trail by 106 runs with six wickets remaining. Not looking great for the Vicks there. Um, Western Australia won the toss, elected to bowl first in their shield match against Adelaide at the Wacker, uh, against South Australia rather, at the Wacker. Um, South Australia, none for 47. Uh, Henry Hunt, 17, not out. And Jake Weatherill, 25, not out. NBA scores today. Dallas have beaten Washington, um, 113 to 105. Philadelphia went down 95 to 104 against Atlanta. Charlotte, uh, 112, lost to Miami, 117. And New Orleans have suffered an 11-point loss to Portland, 106 to 95. Um, Aussies in action in in those games, by the way. Josh Green had, uh, just got a hit refresh there. He had four points at the last time I checked. Um Finished up with, come on, refresh. Oh, the joys. The joys. Uh, finished up with four points uh, in his game. Uh, Matisse Thibel, um, unfortunately, didn't uh, trouble the scorers um, in his uh, outing for the 76ers. And uh, did Dyson Daniels get any game time at all for the New Orleans Pelicans? He did not. Uh, and uh, that's pretty much it. All up to speed uh, on the scores for today. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. The Forty Winks Temper Text get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. Forty Winks serious about sleep afternoons on SEN is thanks to Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale brewed by the award winning team at Brick Lane. Oh, and NFL um, as well. Uh, nine minutes to play in the last. The Panthers, Carolina, twenty two to nineteen up against the Falcons. Uh, Kate McCarthy, AFLW star, um, Channel Seven footy commentator, will join me on the other side of this to preview the semi finals of the AFLW. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by the award-winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Access to the best in construction industry training? Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. Uh, Welcome back to Dwayne's World. Sam Hargraves just keeping the seat warm for the pipe. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. The Werribee Kia Open Line, uh, awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Uh, afternoons for the Master Builders of Victoria get expert legal support. Become a Master Builders Victoria member today. Uh, if you want the best in industry training, contact Master Builders Victoria. AFLW semi-finals this weekend. Really looking forward to this too. Um, intriguing games set to take place. Richmond into their first final series. They lost to Brisbane last week. Uh, They will take on North Melbourne with the double chance that uh, Richmond had North Melbourne just getting over the line in a scrap against the Cats at the Cattery. And the Adelaide Crows, uh, the most successful AFLW side over the journey so far, um, lost week one and will now have to go through Collingwood um, in Adelaide at Unley Oval um, to get through to a preliminary final. But they're going to have to do so without their star, Chelsea Randall. This is what she had to say after, um, well, firstly being passed uh, to play or passed fit from concussion after copping a knock late um, in their loss uh, to Melbourne last week. This is her um, after a new decision was handed down where she's been ruled out with concussion. Just a frustrating one, I guess, at this point in time. And, um, you know, speaking with um, the medical team, unfortunately, with this process, um, it means that some players who actually aren't concussed will miss games. So that was Chelsea Randall. We know it's, um, it is a very, very important area of concern at the moment in the game, concussion, and players absolutely on board. But the frustration for Chelsea, believing that 
Um, she had been clinically cleared to play, and then once new vision had been seen, um, it was made. The decision was made to actually rule her out. Adelaide, in uh, consultation with the league's medical experts, means that one of the best players in the competition will miss this semi-final. And it's not the first time Chelsea Randall's missed a game with concussion. She missed the 2021 Grand Final as well. Maddie Clark was frustrating. He knows how important the issue is, but. Um, they're not wrapped with the actual process involved in Chelsea being ruled out. So it's uh, one of a couple of interesting issues as we build up to this semi-final action. There's no better person to speak to about this than the former Lion, former Saint and Hawk superstar, 7 AFL commentator and one of my favourite people, Kate McCarthy. Hello, Katie Mack. Sam Hargraves, how are you going? Great to be on. <laughs> All the better for speaking to you. Um, it's a, are you a bit confused by the Chelsea Randall decision? Cleared, tripped over her shoelaces um, and now uh, not cleared to play? Yeah, I am a little bit confused, um, even with her just saying that now people that are clinically not diagnosed with concussion will be ruled out of games, um, especially games like this one. Probably not what you want for the, the league and for the game itself. But in saying that, if there is genuine concern around something that they've seen on the footage, then I guess that's the decision that they've gone with. And, yeah, as you said, we know how important protecting the head is. Um, but I feel the most sorry for her just because of how she handled herself last time. I mean, missing a grand final, there were all sorts of things coming out saying that some of the men's players would have gone to court to overrule the decision and things like that, but she copped it so well the first time and just said, no, I'm, I'm concussed and this is the right thing to do and we need to do the right thing by sort of ourselves and set a precedent for younger kids that are watching the game and then for this to happen to her where she actually isn't concussed and now she's missing mm. a very, very important game, um, potentially their last game of the season if they don't win. So, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that it's happened, but I think... As the champion that she is, she's obviously handled it beautifully again. Uh, Richmond and North Melbourne, who wins this one and why for you before we get to the venue decision? Jeez, you put me on the spot there. Um, <laughs> Richmond and North. Look, I think if Richmond's talls, Katie Brennan and, and Courtney Wakefield are really up and about and get good good use from their mids, I think they'll be a little bit too strong just because of that forward line potency. Um and what they've got in the battle of the midfield is going to be fantastic, whether they run that tag with Jazz Garner again. Meg McDonald kept her to her season low last time that the, the two sides met. But, yeah, it's going to be such a good battle. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to go Richmond, but very narrowly, probably like three or four points in the end. But it's all going to come down to, yeah, whether they can, one, keep Jazzy Garner again to her low disposals. And we know such how, how much of an influence she can have on the game. But... Also, their use of the ball going forward. Can Talia Randall get up and about for North and, and kick a few much-needed goals? And, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that game. Uh, and just quickly, Adelaide and Collingwood, have you got a view on who's winning that one? I think it'll be a very close game, especially now that, that Chelsea's out. Um, I think Adelaide will be just a little bit too strong. But if, if the Pies can move the ball like they did in the, pre, uh, the, sorry, the round before that, the first round of finals, They'll be very difficult to beat. They got the ball into the corridor and used it beautifully and just gave their forwards really good use and good deep entries. So, yeah, it'll, they'll need to be, Adelaide will need to be a little bit more accountable and transition a lot better than, than the Dogs did in defence and, and stop Collingwood using the ball the exact way that they want to. Um, are you a bit curi- Are you a bit uh, perplexed as to the timing of the scheduling of the Richmond and Kangaroos clash at the same time the Matildas are playing? There's a WBBL game on 
as well, and the decision to play it at Punt Road, which means that there's a fair few fans that aren't going to be able to attend, even though Richmond have earned the right. It's a complex one. How did you see it? Yeah, to be honest, I'm pretty disappointed in the decision um, to only be able to have 2,800 fans to um, such an important final and one that's matched up so nicely. Um, The timing, I sort of understand that there's a lot of a lot of women's sport happening at this time of year. So um, I think, yeah, obviously a lot of people support a lot of women's sports. So that's another thing that they could have potentially looked at a little bit better. But I feel really sorry for the Richmond members who have been huge supporters of their women's club. And some of the members couldn't even get tickets to the game. And I understand as a club, you've got to do what's right for your team. Um, And first and foremost, winning the game is your priority. And if they think that, punt road offers them that much of an advantage which I would question um, but yeah I, I really feel sorry for the fans that couldn't get tickets that have supported that club for the whole year and, and through their inception of the of the league and a friend of mine who plays for Richmond she's got a lot of family that were planning on coming to the game and she could only get six tickets because that's all each player got um, which meant a lot of her family members who wanted to come and watch her and support her actually can't so I think there's yeah, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle, but at the end of the day, we're, we talk about growing AFLW and that we're still in our infancy and we want to make it as accessible and as many people can come along and we want it to be a real spectacle. Um, but I think that decision kind of contradicts a few of those points. And I think the perfect way to think about it is just, again, the, not double standards, but different rules for the men's game and different rules for the women's game. Um, Geelong can't play down at GMHBA because in men's finals because they want to get as many people to the game as possible. But then they've gone ahead and supported Richmond in this. I think Geelong as a club have always said that they want to play at GMHBA. So it's different there. The AFL tells them where they need to play. Um, but then they've come out and said that they back Richmond because they've earned the right to, to play at the Swinburne Centre. So... Yeah, it is a bit frustrating and I know a lot of the girls from the league wanted to go and watch the game, but they couldn't get tickets either. So it is, yeah, it's frustrating. Uh, Katie Mack, always love catching up with you. You've got to come and meet Charlie soon as well, by the way. Um, and then next time we chat yep, on air, we'll, we'll try and figure out where uh, where Brisbane are going to play if they make the grand final because it's that story from year one uh, all over again. And um, Emma Carney's a great story too, becoming another one of the women's players to be put onto the coaching panel uh, for the men's team with um, uh, Peter Searle's done that as well. And, and we know that um, we, we know that Daisy Pierce is going to do that too. So plenty more to discuss when we get you on next time. But I've got to go now. <laughs> love your work. I'll speak to you. <laughs> Easy as yes, I mean, everyone, make sure you watch the AFLW finals uh, over the weekend. They're going to be cracker games. Absolutely. You'll see Kate McCarthy on seven AFL's coverage of the AFLW final semifinals this week. Prelims next week. We'll be back to wrap up Dwayne's World on the other side of this. Brick Lane One Love Pale Ale, brewed by the award winning team at Brick Lane Brewing. Drink responsibly. Access to the best in construction industry training. Call Master Builders Victoria today. Afternoons on SEN. Hand over to Andy and Gazy. Yeah, on a Friday afternoon. Um, big thanks to all your text stuff, uh, 40 Winks Temper Text, and all your calls on the Werribee Kia open line. A big thanks to Ben and Tom and Link. And A-Rod, a massive team assembled for me to just be uh, mediocre. But you guys have done a great job. Uh, thank you so much for that. Thank you for all the calls and all the text. Earmuffs, if you don't want to know a couple of scores, 
Um, Victoria now four for 44. Sam Harper, two not out. Nick Maddinson, 12 not out. Still trailing Queensland's first innings by 98 runs with six wickets remaining. Uh, none for 65. The Redbacks, Hunt, 22 not out. Weatherald, uh, 38 not out. And in the NFL, 22 to 9 with three minutes left. Panthers leading the Falcons. Show your support for McHappy Day. Purchasing a pair of silly socks from Macca's. Only five bucks money raised goes towards Ronald McDonald House Charities. They continue to help seriously ill children and their families. See you next time. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Backers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.